Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> okay. Cool, 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 cool. You're listening to Music Well. Thank you again for tuning in to Music Well, the show where we think deeply about and through music. This episode, very, very excited about. We're going to encourage listeners to practice gracious communication and to remember to be authentic by associating the songs with particular communication styles. Music is a form of communication, don't you know? And communication is essential to living well. So it seems to me like a wise pairing to think about communication through some special songs we've chosen for this episode. We'll also pay special attention to vocal technique, thinking about a range from rough to smooth, and use such a range as a mnemonic device for how we can communicate, perhaps destructively, but hopefully constructively. We'll be learning two concepts at the same time. Another note is that uh, we're not making any judgment on whether some vocalists are better or worse. No. Instead, we're going to consider how these singers have found their own voice, how they have come into their unique voice as a means of communication. The only criterion for a good singer is if the singer is authentic, I say, but we can debate that. Some singers use a throaty, hoarse, or growly style with their voice. Some sing with a straight-ahead, clean, and smooth approach, and some sing with extra elegance. As we journey through this scale from rough to smooth, we're going to discuss communication markers and techniques. We'll look at how unhealthy communication can happen on the rough side, where unfortunately we tear each other down by not expressing love authentically. And we forget that each conversation is an opportunity to give life to our hearer. On the other side, when we speak with grace and truth smoothly, when we listen first, create space for others to share and trust and affirm, then we are master communicators and invite others to do the same. It's this more pleasant and life-giving realm of communication that we want to practice most often. And we have some special songs to help us remember to be excellent communicators. We are joined by our regular host, Voss Totorico. Hey, everyone. So thankful to get in touch with Leah Petit, who is a wonderful, well-rounded human being. We have a mutual friend, and as I was thinking of the concept for this show... Um, I was able to get in touch with her, and it sounds like we've got a lot to talk about uh, from her at Spurk T. So, Leah, hello and welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. So, Leah, what's um, just before we continue with the songs, what's your background? Give us some of uh, your background and what your expertise is, where you spend your time. Okay, well, I've been singing all my life, as has Voss, we have ascertained already tonight. And I started coaching voice after I was um, studying music in college. And I also was um, introduced to yoga at the same time and never stopped doing it from the minute I started. And then I became a yoga teacher. And as I do both of these passions of mine, as I, as I experiment, as I, as I join them together, each vocal student is getting a piece of how to express themselves and each each um, voice student is learning something about how to tune into their body and mind and express themselves. So 
that's pretty much my passion and my background. I think I answered that all in one. Mm-hmm. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so succinct. <laughs> and to be able to teach something, you have to know it well. So I'm guessing that you've mastered these techniques and you're well, continuing to improve, right? I live these techniques. I, I live them and they're growing and it's a it's a co-creation with each student as well, just as what we're doing. But, you know, you can never say that as the teacher, you're not the student as well. And, and the students teach me as much as I learn. I learn as much from them as, as I teach them, for sure. Yeah, because we're all unique. We have something unique to offer. Our experience really feeds how we communicate, how we grow, how we express ourselves. If you're listening, I learn how to teach them because I'm listening to them. Like I was saying, some of my students, they talk to me half the lesson and, and maybe sing or do yoga the other half. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learn how to teach them. And that's how they grow too because I'm bringing them out and that's part of what I do. This, did you did you listen to some, all of them? All of them a few times. He told me I had to listen to all of them a few times. <laughs> I, I'm a good student. forever to schedule this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're busy people. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. Well, this first song um, by the Novas called The Crusher, we found this, uh, actually I was introduced to it by some other people we picked a bunch of songs that were we called it the weirdest songs we could find <laughs> and somebody brought this one up so um <laughs> i gotta say i was wondering yeah <laughs> where'd they get these it was songs? a total uh, nice pleasant surprise mm -hmm. do the hammer kaboom ending <laughs> that song's from 1964 it's kind of surf rocky right um leah how would you categorize this style of singing well 
you can hear that it's raw and unrefined, but I guess if you really had to categorize it um, as far as where they're using their body or maybe misusing, if you want to say that, is there's so much of it in the chest and the throat, and it's very guttural, and there's stress on the throat mu muscles. And that's what I try to help people realize is that they're doing these things that can be damaging and, well, we'll save some of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And do you think this that type of singing fits for the, the message or the music itself? Or could you hear another vocal style for it? Well, once you've heard that, I don't think you could hear any other vocal <laughs> yeah. style with that and think it worked, right? <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's emblazoned in my mind now. There you go. Um, yeah, it's from a prior generation. And as I interpret that, so that, like I said, 1964, it's a song. The message, I mean, it's obviously lighthearted. Um, at face value, it's you. This guy wants to beat somebody up, calling people turkey necks, and yeah. <laughs> so the message on face value is a harsh one, and as you mentioned, it's more guttural. It's gruff and rough, um, and it, it's okay. It works for that song, but it makes me think if again, if we're setting up this spectrum of how to communicate, I'm putting this on the more rough and gruff and damaging side of how we communicate. You know, using words that are cutting yeah. people down. Yeah. Uh, phrases. I heard somebody say in in an angry tone, they said, sometimes I think you just don't think. <laughs> you know, they said that to their, their romantic partner or, you know, why can't you just? Things like, uh, or you loser, you failure. These are all things that crush the human spirit. And we hear them too often. Hopefully we're not saying them. But if we are... Again, I'm, maybe this song is going to help us remember that this is a type of communication to avoid. Right. We have to catch ourselves. Awareness. Build it. Through mm -hmm. our practices. Exactly. Yeah. One, one thing that comes to mind for me is the HALT acronym from the 12-step program. Oh, yeah. yeah Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah. <clears throat> it's the when we're most susceptible to making... Um, the worst mistakes in our lives, um, including arguments and things, but relapse is the point of that yeah. in the 12 steps program. Right. And why, why is that? So Leah, you talk about, uh, the unison for the body, the mind, the spirit. If somebody's hungry, how does that affect communication or why wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe have a serious conversation then? Well, because they're agitated, I think usually, I mean, you know, that term hangry is, is real. And so why would you, you would be acting on a different premise rather than what you're even talking about. You're, you're speaking from a different part of, you know, it's, it's your hunger that's speaking. Yeah. Right? I'm reading a book right now. Have you heard of Viktor Frankl? He's this, yeah, yeah. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning. Yeah. It's basically his recount, recounting the story of his time at the, uh, in the concentration camps. And he was saying how, some some days, even though he knows he's a decent, he was a decent person. That it took every amount of energy within him to not become violent or something. And he was saying that it's a combination of the the harsh conditions you're living in, but also things like hunger and you're just irritable. It just brings all this up within you. And some sometimes that yeah, the, some of the worst parts of us come out in those moments. So it's well, you know, we're stressed. We're not in a concentration camp and yet mm -hmm. our bodies and minds are very often in that mode mm -hmm. and so sometimes I feel like he feels 
it, sometimes it takes every part of me to remember I'm a decent human being. <laughs> what are some examples of negative thoughts or behaviors that you see hold people back from being authentically loving? So the people that uh, your your people that you work with, helping teach and yoga. Um, what are some thoughts or behaviors you find are barriers for people to be loving and healthy? I think all of them um, stem back to fear because fear is so constrictive and love is expansive. And when you're fearful, you're, you're acting in your behaviors with other people from that fear. Fear that they're going to think you're not good enough or fear that you really think you're not good enough. And so you have to make yourself feel better or look better or look bigger. And so you act out of that type of fear. There are many, many, many forms of fear. But, you know, they say all the emotions really boil back down to love and fear. So that was an easy answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you find that that affects people's singing and their singing styles, love and fear? Well, going back to what I just said about constriction and expansion. So anytime you're working with someone, you're going to help them to start listening to themselves and feeling and being more aware, which we just I just mentioned a few minutes ago, being aware of how you're how you're moving in your body and when you're singing, there's a lot of tension in the throat, in the tongue. I mean, you could hear it in that guy, you know, in that guttural tone. And it's very harsh, and it's harsh on your vocal cords. And it can cause damage, but it can also cause your voice to be different. It can ne- not necessarily damage it to a point that you don't like it. Some people like that raspy tone, you know. They like to sound like they've been smoking for 20 years. What is your stance on a metal singers, vocalists who growl, scream? that sort of style of vocal Well, you know what? I used to take uh, vocal coaching from uh, Ron Anderson in uh, down in L.A. years ago, and he was teaching Axl Rose to be able to scream like he, like he screams mm. without ruining his voice. So, it's, so there's a way to do it right. There's a way to do it right. Yeah. Random question. Did you have to, or did you study the IPA, International Phonetic Alphabet? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know that well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I did a linguistics class and loved it. Someday in another life, perhaps I'll be a linguist. <laughs> I was, I love languages too. I was just telling Voss. It's, it's, I, I don't know why, but I've, I loved to sing in every language that, I, that I've sung in. At hmm. Some languages that I don't even speak, obviously, like Latin with, with sacred music and, but I've sung in German, French. I love French, and that one I can actually speak. I'm Italian, but I barely speak Italian. But uh, you know, they they always want you to sing in Italian because the vowels are so pristine, they're so easy and clear and open. Right. Yeah, makes sense. My favorite language is the love language. <laughs> <laughs> so, moving towards that again. So we're establishing a spectrum or a range. Next song here is by Soul Coughing, a band from the '90s. And we're getting closer towards a maybe a smoother delivery with the voice, but still you're, you're going to hear uh, some of that gruffness. Came and sister, no, no. 
came across this song it was actually in a the soundtrack for a surfing video <laughs> growing up in the my teens watched surf videos all the time and this song showed up uh, for a sequence surfing in Tahiti but it had a profound impact on me partly because I wasn't used to hearing this style of singing um, and then also the message itself you know he's giving a command you don't use words like that presumably you're using some words that are not good and he also couples that with there's a recognition of a higher power if you will saint louise is listening so you know the, the paraphrase is if you're going to use those bad words you're going to have to pay for it you know there's consequences <laughs> somebody's listening so karma. i appreciated that karma yeah in a way so the song itself again uh raspy style the message itself the the message the content of the lyrics is getting a little bit more smooth a little bit more encouraging and it's a prescriptive command in a way so he's also saying listen to yourself listen to the words and the phrases that you use and my observation is think about the kinds of words or the specific words we use and the phrases most frequently because i think with the frequency of our vocabulary and our own lexicon we get to learn about ourselves. what really matters to us how do we see the world so start with the obvious and then work back from there to understand the heart and the mind. So that again is uh, St. Louise is Listening by the group Soul Coughing, which has since disbanded. So I think you answered this question, uh, Leah, but uh, what are, for vocalists, what are some specific behaviors to avoid so that we don't damage uh, the singing voice? Well. I think it's important to be careful that you're not stressing out your um, your vocal cords, your throat, and causing uh, stress that um, eventually, over time, you'll know that your voice is being stressed because if you sing all night long, like you're doing five songs in a row, 
and you're doing four hours a night or three hours, you'll know by an hour or two, your voice will start to feel stressed out. So that means you're going to have some kind of damage or change in what you're going to be able to do with your voice. So if you're singing in a lot of falsetto or you like to sing a lot of high tones or you want your voice to sound clearer or cleaner, you're going to start losing that. Hmm. What I'm thinking about is uh, the last episode I spoke with a vocalist, Katie, and she we were talking about being able to perform and overcoming fear when you're in front of people. Mm-hmm. So my thought is if you're afraid... You know, there's a natural element of fear that you have to conquer to be up in front of people. The presence of fear is going to change your physique, and that will, sounds like it's going to cause stress on the vocal cords. So it's almost like you need to start to defeat the fear first, and that'll set you up for having um, uh, strength to get through your longer set. Would that be right? That's helpful. I would say it's helpful to start to relax around it and turn your fear into excitement because you're going to have that nervous energy. It's just a matter of, really, you are excited. And you have to put up a pattern for yourself. You have to start a pattern of of doing this and finding out that you can be successful and being okay with your imperfections. And then you can become less fearful and, again, Fear constricts, and like you said, it sets up a pattern in the body that makes it more difficult to sing, and it takes you out of the moment. That's the important thing. If you can stay in the moment, you stay in the side of your brain that practiced, you know? Because if you start going into thinking about what you're doing, thinking about the audience, you're not in the moment of actually singing, and we always know that takes us away from our ease and from being able to do anything with grace. There's this thing that I learned in my studying for my uh, professional licensing exam. It's to hack your studying experience. So in order to be present for the test a few weeks from now while you're studying, recreate that situation and be present now. Mm-hmm. So I can see some parallels there where yes. when we learn how to sing, right? We right. bring that same energy with us when we're performing. Right. And I even have people practice in their heads. Feel them. Go see where you're going to be on stage. Get a feel for the place. And in your head, be on stage, rocking it already. So it's like acting, too. Yes. In some way. Yeah. I wrote that phrase down, turn your fear into excitement. I'm really going to use that. That's a good, great, great (laughs) model. It's very encouraging to me. Have you ever helped somebody restore their voice so they could sing again? Maybe somebody came in with a damaged voice or vocal cords? I have. I've actually helped people to, um, one girl in particular, she could barely sing. She was also a smoker. She sang with so much tension in her voice because she had angst. I mean, life was not easy for her. But, you know, you have to, you have to turn things around for yourself. It's never going to be easy. And if you're staying in, um, in the fear and anger side of it, you're never going to be able to let go of that enough to attract what you really do want because prana follows focus, life force, energy, awareness follows wherever you're focusing. And she was too focused in that. All of the songs she wrote were about that, and they were great. And she sounded good singing them, but she couldn't get through a night. And so it's a long process for most people to be able to reverse their way of singing. You have to reverse your way of singing because she sang with so much tension wrapped around her voice. And and the tongue, the tongue. 
has to relax and the palate has to open. People don't realize that the bones in your head, in your face, they're all part of your resonant cavity. And when you constrict your throat, you're not singing with the voice that is your singing voice. You might be using your speaking voice, but it's quite different if you want range. Mm-hmm. And we do want range. That's we want good. range. <laughs> <laughs> we want range. The golden ticket. Yeah. 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 Um, well, yeah. In your work of uh, healing people, how important is hope? Yeah, I think we all know you got to have hope. I mean, hope is... It's a driving force, and we need a a driving force. And I think that's why people need to get passionate about things, and they need to be passionate when they're singing. You know, I wanted to touch upon something here also. The song itself touches upon themes of spirituality. Am I picking up on that too? Okay. I I was talking to a family member about this, and because my family sings, and that's kind of my background. And I wrote down um, a little bit of what we talked about. in countries that repress, persecute, and and imprison their religious minorities, many stories arise that, quote, what kept them alive in such harsh conditions is their faith and their song. Why do you think there is this interplay between faith and song? Spirit. I mean, you know, faith is spirit and song is your spirit longing for freedom. I think that's how the slaves made it through. That's how we got the blues. That's how we got jazz. That's how we got rock. That's how we got our world of music that, that most of us listen to, that we, that we live in, that we move in. I know, uh, you know there are many other backgrounds, especially coming through the church and singing and, and um, choirs, but that's a big part of our culture. And it's so interesting how there's such a tie to suffering as well right? oh. and how music helped us to survive through that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's our voice. We have to have the freedom to speak our mind, to say yes when we mean yes, and to say no when we mean no. And that's why yoga and music are so intertwined in my teaching. You're speaking my language right now. This is exactly, <laughs> this is exactly what we talk about in therapy. Yeah. Just using different language. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the ways to learn to use different language is to self-reflect. We touched on this already. Mm-hmm. It's really important that we listen to ourselves, not only what we say, but our own thoughts, what triggers us, (laughs) what motivates us, gets us excited. A song I have to help us think about that, and again, moving towards um, good communication and uh, the tools to do that, is by the group Astronauts. Uh, Well, it's a play on the word, Astronauts, spelled Ashtray Nuts, with a Z at the (laughs) end, one word. And the song is City Life. And this is a remix by Moods. Will I stay inside awake at night? Nor they shine so bright. So city life, and while thoughts go deep, I'm losing sleep. Think about the bad. 
There is an original version to this song. Uh, I encourage you to check that one out. This one offers that hip-hop beat, a little bit more of the synth and the keys going on to give it some extra smoothness. So you can hear in his voice, uh, This the vocalist is, uh, see if I get this pronunciation right, Joel Goethe. He offers a comforting journey through some catchy melodies as he self-examines some sadness about living in the city. We feel his pain because of his singing style and even the words he chooses. He says, there ain't no way to hide from the city lights. And again, I'm losing sleep. It's as if there's a swarm of activity outside his room and even a swarm of thoughts and feelings in his own heart. Saying, and while thoughts go deep, I'm losing sleep. Think about the past and the things that last. So again, he's taking time to self-reflect and this is what we need to do to be great communicators. If we're going to give life with the way we communicate, we must listen to what we say, how we say it, when we speak, and even what our motives are for speaking. We have to look at uh, the setting that affects us. If we've had a really busy day, like Leah, you were saying, if we're anxious, we're fearful, if we're stressed out, that's all, all that's going to affect how we communicate to each other. So if I lose touch with myself, then I lose touch with you. And I don't want to live that isolated life of cold communication. Would, would anything stand out about this singer's voice? Well, I think, I think it's unique, the way he hangs on his words. He pushes through a little bit. Um, you know, it's not a stress-free sound, but it's... Um, it's not a really heavily stressed sound, but you know, he, he kind of squeezes it all into one kind of projection area, and it's, um, it's probably kind of nasal, you know, a little bit throaty, but I like it because it's so unique, and he's found an authentic sound for him. He's found his voice. He's it found. Sounds like it. Yeah. yeah. General <laughs> consensus, really good, really enjoyable, easy to listen yeah. to, and again, because it's authentic. Yeah. He's conveying his emotions, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all we can ask for. As right. a vocal coach, if I can get someone to open up and be real and express what the song's about, what the message is to them, whether it even matches the words, it works. 
And that's for people writing their own songs. Do you find um, some people need to maybe get steps towards that by covering or learning other songs or songs by other artists? Or you, you encourage people to write their own music? I do because I think that you're the one expressing the emotion that came from you. I mean, I think it's easier. I think it's uh, the part of the reason I do it is because I think it's easier for them to find their voice when they're speaking their own message. But, you know, a lot of people can't do that or they try and they but it's okay. Even if if you're trying, you're you're pulling some stuff out of there that wants to be stuck inside that needs to come out. Hmm. I like that. <laughs> um, I'm curious. I really like the melodies in here. How do you, how do you teach people to create a melody? You know, and even what's the function of a melody in a song? Uh, it's a the function is to carry the message. You know, and I think f- it's hard for me to teach that. Um, in a specific way because it's different for each person because for me the words float right out with a tune I mean it comes intrinsically I really almost can't separate it and it's a it's trickier for me to harmonize it put the chords behind it figure out the instrumentation but but the tune is like right there and I know the style the rhythms with it you know because the tune comes with a rhythm because the words they, they, they dictate a rhythm as well but for people who don't know how, I just try to help them, once they come up with the words, to feel the rhythm and just try to let it flow. What kind of, and, and I'll start to notice what kind, of a, what kind of a feel it has, and then I just try to help them become a little more lyrical, a little bit more loose, um, a little bit freer. I, I like to play with people a lot, so I teach them a lot of things playing. So just unstructured, let's see what comes out, no pressure, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And totally different than, from the way I was taught. I mean, I was taught using a piano with solfege and all of that. And it made me feel like I had to be perfect. I had to be a certain way. And that did not fit for me. And so, but I found with working with children at all, um, I worked as a Mona, Montessori music director for many years. And... I found that love and play are the key. They're the ticket. That's how you learn from that kid what they need to grow. Oh, how we need more of that right now. More more play, more, more love. love. Play. <laughs> <laughs> so we're in the middle now of our musical range, our vocal range, and our communication range. I found this song by Elliot Sumner. The song is called Information. It came up on a playlist I had, and at the first part of it, I thought, yeah, no, that's pretty good. It was sort of passively listening. And all of a sudden, the chorus came up, and I was gripped, absolutely grabbed onto this song. What is going on? Who is this? So if you didn't look this up before, I got a quiz for you. There's, I'll let you know after we hear the song, but or part of it. The Elliot Sumner is the child of a certain very famous 80s starting in the 80s uh mega pop star do you know the answer yet i think i do because i think it might have been this child who performed last year with sting and shaggy at the bowl oh all right well that would make a lot of sense (laughs) once we find out the answer okay (laughs) here's the first part of the song and we'll talk through it
guess was it was the daughter uh, child of sting uh-huh boss did you know do you know only when i looked it up only when you looked it up yes <laughs> good great yes you can hear the similarities right in their voices you can yeah until i looked at his name i hadn't thought of it exactly yeah now um so elliot sumner she he she all right let me make this note elliot doesn't believe in gender labels so Elliot would identify maybe uh, non non-binary, I believe is the right term. Now, when I first heard this song, I couldn't tell if it was a male or a female. So Elliot's sort of in that middle, I guess. Partly androgynous sound, it has like uh, some aspects of what I associate for female singing. Um, so. That it was a nice surprise, I guess. Like, who is singing? What is singing? How is this happening? It's a really great surprise. So I, I know I've, I've become a bigger fan of Elliot since. Yeah. Then. Um, yeah, and the, naturally the question arose, um, you know, as Elliot talks about not identifying with the gender or the uh, identifying with a label. Uh, one of this question arose for me, which is, are people born with the ability to sing, and can they get better at it? Can they become really good singers with training? In my experience, yes. But the training is taking away the layers of life, of fear, of, um, of stress, of pain, of trauma. All the things that have shut them down, it's like you're opening their heart up. And that's how you train somebody to sing. You train them to become authentic and and to sing from their from their truth and that's all i i think that's again why my long vast uh love for yoga and the whole philosophy of it is so helpful in vocal coaching something i am curious about this may be a very this may be a bunny trail, but we'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> so my my question, my thought is: Are there traditional categories for maleness and femaleness in vocal styles? Um, and then maybe another shade of that question is: What can we learn about gender from the mechanics and physiology of uh, of singing? So maybe the first part here. So are there? Would you say? There's a style that's fit for maleness, or when you sing, that's going to very clearly speak of maleness, and then by contrast or comparison, femaleness. Or do you feel like 
singing, uh, performing vocally. It doesn't matter who's doing it, it's really just about their authenticness. Well, I think in truth, yes, it is just about their authenticity, but actually, um, we all know that, you know, heavy metal was mostly guys, you know, until Joan Jett came along and, and liked it, you know. And it's not that we didn't like it, you know, as women, we, it wasn't that we didn't like it, but think about the messages, you know. And it was just not so much what women's message were really um, all about either. But um, women took it over and had their own, you know, play with it, you know. And even the blues, there were a lot of men, uh, more men than women, but certainly, you know, there was Billie Holiday. There were many, many other women. Um, but in in the modern world, Bonnie Ray brought brought it back. You know, not so very, very modern. But you know, um, she she gave a real voice to the blues for women in the I don't know. It's probably sixties, seventies. I don't know exactly when. But um, so there are always people who are on both sides. You know, who kind of straddle it, but. I don't know if that's what you're asking, but that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. I like that. It sounds like women can uh, have and can recapture an approach to music that has been traditionally male, but male in a way that has been sort of negative or not not constructive towards uh, towards I don't know greater love or understanding of the world. Um, and that and they and women can recapture that through music and through singing style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's what it sounds like. What you're saying, yeah. Yeah, that's a good interpretation of it. You've added a little bit. I like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's think about that Elliot Sumner song. It's uh, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It's driving. Mm -hmm. It's very strong and forceful. Um, based on Elliot's own proclamation, there is no gender associated. So it's almost like uh, through that style of music and through her singing, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, get the information that you need yeah. to restore a relationship. Right? Um, don't be held in the dark by somebody in a relationship. Ask for that. You know, that's, there is no, it doesn't matter what your gender is or where you're at. Really, it's about interpersonal connectedness and making sure that we're not kept in the dark by others and by little secrets that we keep. Yep. Okay. That was a fun bunny drill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, random question. So, as far as the way bodies are, are designed, constructed for male, uh, males and females, can women perform certain styles of music that men can't? Like I'm thinking of an operatic singing. There, there's a higher vocal range, or like Minnie Riperton, Mariah Carey. They had an eight octave vocal range. Or any men that have that kind of vocal range? Mm. Well, you know, with really good falsetto, but you know, in the operatic world, that is not considered their voice. That is not their voice. That's their falsetto. You know? mm. And you know, I think there's kind of a prejudice there. Um, you know. People love falsetto, and it's totally fun. And it, and I think the men have fun singing in falsetto. <laughs> but there's also there's also something to be said for a high tenor getting into that range, you know. And even baritones getting up into the tenor range, it's fun, isn't it? I mean, and um, no, it is your instrument, and it's again the bones of your head, the structure of your head, the structure of your throat, the structure of your sinus cavities that allow you. Um, and your vocal cords to be able to do that. Not everybody can. And, you know, like sopranos, there are three different kinds of sopranos. You know, some of them can sing with that Minnie Riperton and the Mariah Carey, but other ones, they sing with a more dramatic tone, and then some of them are just light and fluffy, and there's names for each one of them, mm -hmm. you know? And 
And so it's it's your instrument. Some of it is genetic. Some of it is physical. Mm-hmm. Okay. And ultimately, we want to find that the term I think of is resonant frequency. So where we're using or constructing and controlling our body such that we sing with the most strength that we have, and it's the most true voice that we have. Well, I'm the thing I like to use is um, I feel like you're an amphitheater, and if you're using all of it, you have much more resonating space. So all these bones, that's what they're doing is they're resonating, and then this is your cavity, it's your amphitheater, it's like, oh, I'm singing in the shower. People need to listen and they need to sing and they need to speak from their heart, from their gut, from their, you know, from their, um, from their mind, not their brain, from their emotion. They need to be honest and real and use it all. And I think that um, that's what I try to get to people to do in singing. So that's why we play so much. You know, I just, sometimes we do call and response. That's how I teach them to do things, you know, or we take, and this is something that I learned from, um, from a vocal coach is, Take the take the words out. Just use the vowels. Hmm. Freedom. Take the consonants out. You're not trying to say the word. Just use the straight vowel. And it, all of a sudden, it's magic. They can sing it. And as soon as they do that, they get it in their voice. And once they've gotten it in their voice, then it's easy for them to, easier for them to put the consonants back on. Because if you think there, here's this open vowel, all the consonants close down. And so then things gets lost and get lost, and when they close down, they start to cl- they don't know how to do that. So they think they need to restrict from the throat. All of that needs to be coming from your core body. One of my vocal coaches told me, "You have to squeeze way down here, like you got to go pee." <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. mm-hmm. I said it's funny because I haven't used that in or even thought about it in ages, and I just used it with a student this week, and that's I guess that's why I thought of it just now. Just had uh-huh. to, just had to throw that one out there. You can cut it if you want. <laughs> so uh, Kegel help, exercises help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, knew? Who knew? Well, as as a uh, continuation of the line of thought how important do you think lyrics are to a song whether the person can connect to them i mean there's been songs that i loved that people sung but i couldn't stand the lyrics hmm. and once i knew what the lyrics were i didn't like the song as much so any but- song by lil john <laughs> <laughs> um, but were you talking from the singer's viewpoint as a vocal coach from the singer's viewpoint it's kind of a different question so the singer if they can relate to those words and make them their own you know sometimes I have kids singing songs that were written by you know they, they don't even know what sex is and it's all about sex and they're singing it and they have no idea no idea but they're singing it for a different reason either because they love it because they got into the beat the tune or they don't know what the words mean. They mean something completely different to them. What's your opinion then on those kinds of songs where the the lyrics are inconsequential or inconsequential? They don't matter to the music, to this, to the vocalist. What's your take on that? I think as long as they can be passionate about it, they're going to get out their message with it. That was all uh, '90s alternative rock. Was it? Doesn't matter what you're saying; it's how you're saying it. <laughs> It's still like that in the pop world, <laughs> yeah. right? True. Yeah, but as far as communication goes, how we say what we say is more important. Sociolo- sociologists and anthropologists study that research, right? They, they look at body language as a form of communication. 
and tone so, and yeah so thinking about that uh how we communicate we're now a smack dab in the middle of our communication range rough to smooth this next song is by moniker and they're giving us uh, the song calling out Again, the artist is Moniker, the song Calling Out. That line about the eyes speaking, uh, it's expanding our conversation now about conversation. As I mentioned, verbal, nonverbal communication is crucial to how we communicate. Uh, think about, I found this article by Columbia University. The, titles, the paper is titled Nonverbal Behavior and Nonverbal Communication. What do conversational hand gestures tell us? I really like this. So here's the quote. Uh, finding from the research. As people speak, their gaze periodically fluctuates toward and away from their conversational partner. Some investigators have interpreted gaze directed at a conversational partner as an expression of intimacy or closeness. However, researcher Butterworth argues that gaze direction is affected by two complex tasks speakers must manage concurrently. One is planning speech and monitoring the listener for visible indications of comprehension, confusion, agreement, interest, etc. So I think that matches up pretty fairly with the message from Moniker's song, Calling Out. Um, and uh, so thinking about this communication here i mean the random question i had leah was i don't know if you you have but have you ever worked with a blind singer no i haven't but my feeling is is that you know when one of your senses is cut off the others get sharper and i find that the blind singers that we know are very very 
passionate singers. I mean, you can... Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Mm -hmm. Luciano Pavarotti. Mm -hmm. Ray Charles. Ray Charles. That's what I was thinking Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of a woman, but I can't write offhand, but... That's a good trivia question. (laughs) Name a blind female singer. Hmm. (laughs) We'll look that up. Um, Write in, people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What body techniques uh, do vocalists use to improve their singing? You mentioned that bringing all our bones into structure or singing from our, what is our lower Mm -hmm. belly area, shoulders down, that kind of thing. Shoulders are down because you want them relaxed. If they're up, there's tension, and that tension carries into the neck. So I like to let people look in the mirror so they can see how much they're scrunching up their face when they're singing. You know, that's a sign that, that, you're, that you're stressing, that you're working too hard. If they're reaching their head way up, they're causing tension in their neck. And to watch their throat when they sing. If their throat is getting all tangled up, then you know for sure, you know, that they're using these muscles that are not necessary, and we're so used to it. And another thing is I have people listen to the singer. So the words might be something really powerful in the message, but the singer has um, a grasp of them, has sung them or they're his or her lyrics. And so they just have a way of, of presenting them that's like, this is what happened, you know. But the person, when they're singing them, they're practically screaming it, and they think there's so much because it's a rock song. They think that that person's sing- screaming, and I say, listen to them. They're perfectly in charge. They're totally in control. Mm. So they are not, even though they look like they're a wild man or a wild woman on stage, they're not stressed out like you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it changes things. It's a perspective that they haven't realized. I'm giving away all my freaking secrets, guys. <laughs> a different lens to look through. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, yeah, and I, overcoming fear starts with looking at yourself in the mirror <laughs> while you sing. I don't even normally like to look at myself in the mirror, let alone singing and listening at the same time. I do not like that idea. Do not like greenings and him. <laughs> I was just thinking about um, my work with some of my clients, and some of that work is similar to what you're describing, which is a lot of people go around their lives not seeing themselves. They don't realize how they carry themselves. That would be all of us. <laughs> right. And so sometimes what happens in the therapy process is the therapist acts like the mirror to f- give feedback to a client what they might be missing out on. Finally getting some, some real honest feedback sometimes. And it, might, it reminds me of that mirror image, uh, how we s- you start to see that as a vocal coach, right? Yeah. And they start to see it too in themselves. Yeah. It's something, what is that like for you when you see that? Somebody witnessing themselves doing oh, something. Oh, that, you know, I get, I get chill bumps. Yeah. Totally. When you see someone, when I see someone make a breakthrough, it's just, I want to get up and hug them right then. <laughs> and I, you know, and, and for them, it's like, oh, my vocal coach saw something in me I never saw in myself. So it's, it's, it's a moment for them as well. Yeah, that's a real breakthrough. It's, it is like, it reminds me of, therapy confession just things like that on, oh, yeah. it's a spiritual level of some sort of connecting with myself in a way i didn't know i had again almost when that you, mm. that what you're describing yeah yeah mm-hmm. 
And so it's very, it's very powerful, and it is therapy. And I think that, again, getting back to people having to talk halfway through their lesson, in order for them to show me that part of themselves and for them to bear that part of their soul, they have to get the shit that's in the way out of the, off their chest. Truly. There was a question I had, and it had to do with this, but I forgot it. <laughs> but I thought I would mention it because maybe if I ramble long enough, yeah. it'll come back to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just thinking the advice and what we're talking about in this episode is so good. We should charge people to listen to this podcast. <laughs> really? It's so good. You're right. You're so, you both are professionals in healing. It's great. Nicole Dolenganger, this next uh, musician that we're going to look at and listen to, totally surprised by her. If you look at some biographies and just her approach to music and her lifestyle, it's full of dichotomies right? her voice is really sweet and whispery but her messages are always dark and you know rough and real raw um, and her room is filled with dolls and guns it's just full of dichotomy well i think that there's a lot of pain there and even in this song i mean there's there it's so honest you know we all have things that we could just like i sometimes I just find myself going, oh my God, Leah, why did you, how did you again? Are you crazy? Don't you ever learn, you know? And because we all make mistakes, we all go backwards. And I, I've been I, I've been practicing yoga for, I can't tell you how long. I can't, because I'm afraid. No. <laughs> no, really, honestly, for 35 or 40 years, you know, because I've been teaching it for like 25. So it's it's been almost all my life. And so... I think that when I hear her, I, the pain is so real, and I think that's why it's so easy to listen to, you know, because if she, I mean, what are you really saying when you killed an angel? You starved them until they died. So, you know, you have a part of you that that you can't live with. <laughs> exactly. And yet she has to get it out. She's yeah. talking about it. Yeah. She puts this whole thing in a song. And it's so much healthier than someone else who doesn't. <laughs> right. So let's hope that let's, uh, it's a shorter song. Again, my hope is that this song will help us. Uh, it'll be an encouragement for us to be authentic, to really do that inner searching about how we tick, where our pain is, put some words to that, even write it in a music, musical form, write poetry, um, something, anything to process that pain so that it doesn't stay in and corrode us from the inside out. So Nicole Dolenganger, the song is Poacher's Pride. I shot an angel with my father's rifle I should have set it free But I let it bleed Made it into taxidermy Hung it on my wall On my wall 
So again, she's confessing how brutal she can be, as hard as it is to make that confession. She feels that so much that uh, she's enslaving and torturing an angel. I think this song is a cautious tale for us that even though sometimes we can sound genuine, we might actually be intending harm to others. We're painting gravestones in gold. Each one of us has the ability to elegantly deliver elegant messages and even deliver rough messages elegantly, as in this song. If we need to face conflict, to confess something dark and painful, we can still communicate this in a loving way. If someone comes to us with something ugly that they have to get off their chest, the call of love says that we ought to listen with a non-judgmental heart. I was going to say, if, if you couldn't feel her pain, you would think she was even more out there than she probably is. But, you know, as, as compassionate beings, and I can say that all of us in this room are, we, we can feel her pain. We can see it from that angle. I'm sure there are people who listen to this song and just, you know, are shooting daggers through their eyes at her, you know. But we know that she's being honest. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, um, it takes a soft heart to be able to recognize another one. I have to say, if you listen to, maybe you'd have this experience. I've listened to about five or six of her songs in a row, and I got, I had to stop. <laughs> it was all too heavy. I couldn't handle Dark. anymore. Yeah, and that has happened with, uh, actually, Death Cab for Cutie. When I listen to them, it's the same thing. I just get drawn into that processing, and it's like, I need to step away. That's really heavy. Yeah. You know? This song reminds me of, um, I just imagine her very simply sitting in her room, strumming a guitar and saying words it reminded me of the simplicity of irish pub music i don't mm-hmm. know if anyone knows the culture around that uh it's it's very heartfelt so it's not this sort of dance edm stuff that you mm-hmm. hear in american bars and top 40 hits it's people pouring out their souls mm-hmm. and there's something very relatable about it mm-hmm. so i remembered this as i was listening to the song this irish philosopher peter rollins who says that what is a poet a poet is someone whose lips are so formed by by anguish that when they speak words words no longer come out but they're suffering so when we ask a poet to tell us another poem sing us another dirge we're effectively telling them please relive your suffering for us well sometimes reliving your suffering is the only way to heal it i agree <laughs> that is the work i also do <laughs> that that's what often trauma is it's something that's we couldn't find words to we couldn't express in some way right and so it's locked in there somewhere inside we stuffed of us it. we stuffed it somewhere we couldn't we couldn't do anything else with it but it's it didn't not affect us <laughs> so part of the work in therapy is if you imagine yourself as this machine that runs on steam and the steam is locked in somewhere and that's the trauma then you learn how to redivert that steam and a lot of that is just retelling your story release valve release valves over and over again little by little mm-hmm. yeah sometimes it's music that does that yeah and there are some songs that, uh, i have came across an album by the group Midnight Faces during a time when I was going through very, uh, well, divorce, and I had to process a lot of pain. And I listened to that album, I can't count how many times, 60 times altogether, I don't know, more than that. 
And then one day, the music stopped having that effect on me because I had processed everything <laughs> to completion. Got it all and, out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I well, can... Well, you owe them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I told them so at a couple of shows I went. I said, right. you guys have no idea how much impact you've had on me. Right. What did they say? But, um, you know, the humble, you know, that's good. Thank you. I'm glad we can help. That you sort didn't of know thing. our music had such an effect on people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you did. <laughs> Yeah, they no, know. You know what? You really do. don't. You really don't. People mm. need to tell you. I mean, I think, really honestly, mm. people might think because, you know, they're touring and then they see people all the time. I think it's good. I, I think mm. it's great that you shared it. And, and I really think that um, we think people know more or believe mm. more in their power. And sometimes it's good to give them a little, hey, hey. It's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so they, they'll keep writing. We'll keep sharing and. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we forget too. Yeah. The the impact what what we're seeking to do and what impact it might have. Right. And isn't right. it nice when people tell you? If it mattered so much to you, why else would you write a song about it? So. It's good to have that reminder. Like, oh yeah, yeah I did write that for a reason. Yeah. I had other questions, Lee, about uh, Alf springing off this song, but we've answered them huh. so well, right? I mean, ha- describe a moment when you had a, when your students had a breakthrough coming yeah. into their voice. That's what it you feels about like. That. How do you teach someone to hear their voice? I think this whole episode so far has been about that, really, how to yeah. find it. Yeah, yeah. We d- I do a lot of call and response with people so that they can, and sometimes, you know, they they get to fashion the response, so that's helping them to learn how to write music. So they have breakthroughs in, in, in play lots of times. I was curious, what is, this was a question I had before, but I forgot and I remembered. What's one of the most memorable breakthroughs that you noticed in one of your students stood out to you? um, What stands out to me is when I've had this student for a while and they've performed, they've sung, they've practiced, and all of a sudden it becomes them in their true voice. They finally open up and let it out. And they've been trying little, 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 little release valves. <laughs> right, chipping away at the wall chipping a little bit. Chipping away. And then all of a sudden, they sing a song, maybe that they sang before, and all of a sudden, it's it's brand new. They're able to open up. Um, they come to a freedom. Those are the types of moments. I'm thinking of a couple of students in particular, especially ones that were really, really, really shy. And you know the really shy ones. It's usually because, will you please shut up already? Mm-hmm. You know, you oh, can't believe what parents... like a true Italian mother. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost like the Jewish mama, but right. yeah, I, I don't have one of those, so I... <laughs> well, I'm Ukrainian, so Ukrainian mothers say things like uh, that. Yes, sometimes. no, I mean, I mean, my, my mom would say something like that, just not with that accent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that, yeah. that continuously, these kids that I have the most trouble with, I, I, I know what questions to ask, I know how to find out, I, you know, I let them talk. And it always comes out. And it's always somebody in their life, very important, who squelched their ability or their um, belief in their ability. I'm just so struck by how it's also that they put in so much work into getting there. Oh. Right? There was this foundation laid when there was none to begin with. And they had to do some of that hard work. And it takes, oh yes, and I can't tell you how many years it's taken for some people. Hmm. Because they're still living with it, you know, because they're kids. And it's like they're defenseless. Their parents do not get it at all, have no idea what they've done. And of course, I'm not telling them. (laughs) But, you know, anyway. I'm getting the 
I'm coming to the conclusion that if you want to know the state of your own overall health, start singing and figure out how Tell where me. you're at. Yeah, and it's a harbinger really for your own your own overall health. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're you know if somebody isn't healthier, they have areas to grow in. Pick it up, start singing because it's more than just being a musician. It's more than just writing a song. Like you're saying it's a holistic approach to human progress. Yeah, yeah, and I and that's why even with my yogis, you know, I try to help them to feel chant just inside of them because it's only about a seed that's opening up and reverberating within them it doesn't no one else has to even hear it you know but it's helping them to open up and expand and if you if you are able to speak your truth you're going to expand in other ways because again all that stuff that's repressed you're going to find a way to let that out because emotions are meant to flow through you and we get when they get stuck especially when they're traumatic emotions then they cause so much damage and then you learn when traumas happen that you don't need to keep experiencing them it's only the story you've wrapped around it it's just huge there's there's so much to know and learn and we're all continually growing and co-creating right on that note of co-creating thank you guys so we're at the last song now um of my artificial structure of communication mashing up communication and vocal style we're gonna listen now to a song a work of art a a musical work of art by ralph on williams one of my preferred or favorite uh, american composers from the early 20th century he has an album uh he did a suite of songs five mystical songs this one is called love bade me welcome We'll listen to the whole thing. And this is capping off our encouragement to be life-giving communicators, to go through that process of moving away from harsh words, doing that inner self-reflection, listening to nonverbal communication, being good at that, asking for information, restoring relationships, finding our voice. And with this song, striving towards being elegant communicators communicators who choose uh, to find the best words possible for any situation being human beings who look at every opportunity for communication as something to give life no matter where it is and how and over time we get really great at improvising this so that it comes out naturally so again Ralph on Williams, Five Mystical Songs, Love Bade Me Welcome.
What can we say? What kind of words can we use <laughs> to describe our response to that? What are you feeling from that, Leah? It's just so peaceful. I mean, I think we were all just kind of at a loss for words when it ended. It's it's very um, it's very calming. The style of music. It's almost like water flowing. And it does that to your spirit and to your soul. And everyone knows that water is so calming. So I just feel very in a beautiful place. And like you said, it's very elegant, but it's very powerful as well. And it is, um, it's challenging for people to sing with that amount of freedom and at that level of expertise. But mostly it's just about opening up and using the instrument that you have. And with full passion, with abandon. And I think that's what leaves us feeling like this. Hmm. Well said, Voss. What's your reaction and response to that the piece? Um, I naturally settle into things like that. And it, it opens up something in me. It, I, maybe it's similar to how it's required that that's how you sing. the The goal of developing your voice is to open up, learn to open up something in you. Sometimes the music itself can do that for you. I think it's doing something like that for me. I think that that's one of the very most important things about singing. Not only does it free your soul and spirit, but it connects hearts. And that's very obvious. <laughs> All of us were very connected with the music, with each other, we're just present in the room, all of a sudden it was like we were speechless. And for me, when we communicate with love, there's a very similar feeling that we get. When we can pay somebody a compliment, a very unprovoked compliment, you know, I, I really appreciate the way you put that. Um, your outfit looks great today. You know, you, you, you bring me a sense of calm when I talk to you. Right? You inspire me to be a better person. Those kinds of phrases, that openness towards somebody else to bring them out even, that's what we live for. That's what we strive for. That's what we long for. The song's a reminder to that, that maybe we don't always act that way and behave that way, but that's something to strive for. And in that process, we learn to be truly authentically ourselves, and people respond and resonate with that when they find that. And we can model that for others. You build relationships and you build truth in those relationships and you, you're closer and you you heal, you grow, you co-create with these people, you make the world a better place. You know, we bring more joy, more light, more beauty in. And by doing that, we let people's light shine. You know, we help them by shining our lights. We give them permission to shine their light. And so all of a sudden, we've made huge ripple effects on the world and we have to believe in that we have to know it and and there's a world of infinite possibility out there i mean we need to believe in miracles <laughs> exactly right the the content of this piece is about miracles somebody who is so ashamed to appear before love to appear before he says my lord ashamed of who am i that i should even be in the presence of somebody who would receive me unconditionally and that unconditional love draws that fear it eschews it, it away get out of here there is no room for fear and said i'm calling you to love with your deepest capacity to love 
and that's an in- invitation and an inspiration and that the all these lyrics from that piece they I've listened to that for 20 years now uh that piece and it just continually strikes me that that's what we live for really is to to show love to bring love out of others I used to run um group therapy sessions for about 5 years and in those 5 years of doing that it always struck me every time that vulnerability breed bred more vulnerability or if you want to put in different words love would create more love and so when people started to open up and lean into that love within themselves somewhere it bade others welcome right Mm -hmm. yeah well i'm again deeply thankful for both of you to join join me on this journey towards finding out how could we how could we learn to be the best communicators the best lovers and the, uh, that we can be the best singers to find our voice and sing authentically I feel like we had a, a therapy session we did <laughs> <laughs> we're all healed now <laughs> till tomorrow yeah right it's another, another opportunity to build off of what we've already worked on I don't want you to leave <laughs> <laughs> don't leave us don't let me be that angel that you don't feed till I die. Oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what you said right there at the end. I was going to have that question right back at you. Yeah. <laughs> I hardly ever get interviewed, so that yeah. would be nice. I, I was, uh, like, was going to say, can I you definitely can what's a question that's arose not even just from this last section but maybe the whole process today Mm. this whole conversation I think really uh, questions were probably more answered you know because I really at first I really felt like I don't know how I can help him with with this proposition that he's put forth there because I didn't really understand what you were I thought you were trying to, um, I thought, well, you know, he's saying that these songs um, are rough and harsh, but then he, I, I just, you know, it took me a while to take them apart and realize that you weren't really trying to do that at all. Good, yeah, thank you. It, just creating a little bit of structure to inspire dialogue is all I was going for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm really happy where the dialogue went. <laughs> we so. had a lot to say, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, with that said, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of Music Well, Authentically Singing. Thank you, Leah Petit, (laughs) for bringing us grand observations and inspiring us to expand our hearts. I got that. Good. Boss, thank you again. Thank you, Stephen, for always hosting such delightful discussions and conversations yeah. and thank you Leah so much oh you're Seriously. quite welcome my pleasure come back <laughs> <laughs> alright <laughs> I can do it alone thank you um, so we're happy to uh, put a link to your website and, and encourage people to seek you out for healing and growth thank and everything that you have to offer them alright yeah thank you yeah. Uh, as always song links are posted please leave us some comments on our SoundCloud page so I just realized this. What if we have listeners who are only able to listen and cannot see? How will they find you? They will find me at yogawithleah.net 
or my email, leah at yogawithleah.net. Thank you. <laughs> Nicely done, Foss. <laughs> All right, till next time, be a life-giving communicator. This is Stephen Sysom from Music Well saying see you next time.